How many of you have ever had to turn a, a nut that was rusted on so much that, that, that uh, yeah, there, there's, there's those. Okay, so, so the first thing you try is you go get a little uh, WD-40 and you squirt it. If you have it. Right. <laughs> or you take a torch, if you have it, and you heat it a little bit. But then you get out your, your wrench. Okay. And this is a pretty good size crescent wrench. You can get a lot of torque with that, but sometimes I've been against some that they just didn't work. And so what you do is you go get a pipe. Now, not a, not a plastic pipe, but like a metal pipe. And you just, because you get a lot more leverage from about here. I'm not going to swing it. Please don't. I'm not going to. But the reason I bring this out is today is that there's this massive misunderstanding about what the church is. And Jesus, in the book of Revelation, is about to start turning that rusted-on nut of our understanding. And we keep doing it. So let me ask you a question. What's the difference between the church and the Shriners, Rotary, Kiwanis, the JCs, service groups. What's the difference between the church and a service group? Do you know? Is it rhetorical or do you want an answer? <laughs> I'm going to come over here and stand. Look, Ted and I are going to have this little conversation. You get just listen in for a second. Yeah, I want to answer. It's the Lord. The Lord. The reason you do it. That's right. So... So I've heard people say this. Have you ever heard this? There are good people that are not in the church. These people are good people. They're good people. Yeah, that's not actually the problem. Um, I've said this in the past. Good and bad isn't really our problem. We have a death problem. Sin, the wages of sin is death. So you've got sin in your life and you do sin. And at the end of your payday or your life, if you wish, the payment due is death, and you've got a death problem, and you're going to want some help with that, probably for somebody that solved that problem. And that would be Jesus. So here we are. I'm going to talk this morning from Revelation 2, but I need to make sure that we understand that the difference between doing good, I feel like I'm back in the book of James again, people saying, well, show me your works and I'll show you that we're having this discussion. Here is a church, just imagine for a second as you're doing this, that you get a note from your employer and it says, you've done everything right except (laughs) let me read uh, Revelation 2 1 through 7 with that in mind I write this letter to the angel okay have to stop and do a little editorial commenting on this there's three things that this could mean this could be an actual spiritual being an angel And in Daniel, there's some emphasis for that, that there is an angel assigned to each of these things, uh, churches, the four winds, and all that. It could be that. And every time an angel outside the book, the letters to the churches is mentioned in the book of Revelation, it is an actual spiritual being. So it could be that. Um, A messenger, it could be number two, it could be the pastor of the church, the euangelo, the, UN, the, the gospel, the UN, 
when you take euangelion, which means the gospel, we translate that from the Greek. When we look at it in the Greek, it's, it looks like evangel, which I've heard people call the evangel of a church. Have you ever, have, have you ever heard that terminology? Somebody is an evangel. Everywhere they go, people get saved. They're an evangel. That's what that term means. It could be that. Now, however, in the time frame, there's really not always pastors in charge of one church, and there's some grammatical things that say not likely in this one, okay? And then third, it could be the DNA or the way the church is. Do you know when I, when I say the DNA of the church or the way we present the gospel, the way when you come to this church, this church is actually slightly different from every other church you've ever been in. And it has a way of, of emitting the light of the gospel that is unique or, or its DNA set in this church. I've been in churches that did the, did the lunches, but they didn't do all the community involvement that this one does, that they don't care for each other in the same way, that we don't welcome those with, with um, struggles in the same way. I've been in all of those things. I've been in churches where their DNA is so internally focused that, that you can't almost join it ever. Boy, ain't that the truth. Right. Well, no, you're all good. But, but, but it could be that. And there is some grammatical things in here. There's some plurals when it talks about you. It, in, the, in here, there's some second person, multiple plurals. And so it doesn't look like it's to an individual angel. Right? Because then you wouldn't say y'all, your, your witness, in a plural form. You wouldn't do that. So what we're talking about here is the letter to the church to the way the church is. In Ephesus, this is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand. Remember, seven is, is the term that means the perfect strength of light. Perfect seven means perfect. The seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks amongst the seven gold lampstands. And we just heard in, in the last one, the seven churches are the seven lampstands, and the seven stars are the seven messengers of those churches. Here, here comes Jesus. I know all the things you do. I have seen your hard work and your patient endurance and the way you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say they're apostles, but are not. You have discovered they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. Just let me, let me say for a second, wow. Listen to that for a second. You've worked hard and you've been patient and you've endured and... You've patiently suffered without quitting. You've, you've dis- Can you imagine a church that works hard all the time, just completely endures what's going on, it just pushes through, it just does all this, it does everything right, and it's orthodox, right? Its belief is good and strong because it tests people and it knows what's right and wrong, and it's suffered, but it didn't get discouraged. You've done everything right. That's what that is. That's what churches are supposed to be. We're supposed to be doing the work of the Lord. We're supposed to endure, and we're supposed to stick with it, and whatever comes our way, and we, we know right teaching from wrong teaching. That's what a church is supposed to be. 
But if you do everything right in the world and you do that and you don't know the Lord, you're rotary. You're the JCs and the Tri-Cities or you're the Shriners who do Shriners hospitals and man, do they do good work. I'm not, don't hear me um, tearing them down. That's amazing stuff they do. But what makes a church different? Jesus. No, you're good. I'm all good. He just said it earlier in exactly the same way, only he had the word Lord in front of it, which is fine. It's a Greek word, kurios. Kurios. Can you say that again? Kurios. The Greek word is kurios. K-U-R-I-O-S. Don't ask me to spell off and it doesn't work. <laughs> but, but, but it's the word that means Lord and God. Jesus. You have done everything right. But this complaint I have against you, you don't love me or each other as you first did. You have left your first love. That's what he's saying. Don't, you don't love me or each other as you first did. How far have you fallen? Turn back to me to the works you did at first. You don't, if you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from among its place among the churches. But this is in your favor. You hate the evil deeds of the Nicolaitans. Anyone who has an ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. To everyone who is victorious, I will give you the fruit from the tree of life in the paradise of God. Let's get back to this. I have this complaint against you. You have forgotten your first love. See, this is the thing. There are three major themes everywhere in the Bible. The first one is God is Lord. He's God. Right. So if you've ever seen um, the Notre Dame football movie, Rudy... He goes to the priest and he's struggling and he's doing all this stuff. And the priest says, I've learned two things in all my years of theological study. There is a God and I'm not him. <laughs> That's right. Number one theme. The second theme is that God forms a people for himself. Not people just doing good things, but he forms a people for himself. The problem with... Being so intent only on the good deeds is this. The irony, this is from one commentary, the irony of what we call the Ephesus syndrome is that the Christian becomes totally preoccupied and fascinated with themes and goals which would never have won him or her the place in the church in, 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 at the beginning. You don't get into church because you do good things. It's not how you got here. You get here by doing one thing as the church. The church is constituted by the grace of God at the foot of the cross. Period. Now, once that happens, what is the response of the church? Is it going to be the work of, this, of the Savior throughout the kingdom? I certainly hope so. This church has done this. I'm so thankful to be here. But the constitution of the church is based on this. I knelt at the cross and I said, I can't do it. I need you. 
and he does it. We love because he first loved us. Now, if you think this is a new spot in the Bible, let me make sure that, you, that I remove that misunderstanding. This is from Jeremiah chapter 2. Get out in the streets and call Jerusalem to God's message. I remember your joyful, youthful loyalty, our love as newlyweds. You stayed with me through the wilderness years and stuck with me through the hard places. Israel was God's holy choice. The pick of the crop. Anyone who laid a hand on her, I would soon, would soon wish she hadn't. That's my rule. But hear this, house of Jacob. Yes, you, house of Israel. What did your ancestors find fault with me in? What did I do wrong, says the Lord God? So they drifted away from me. Ephesus isn't the first place to get it wrong. And it won't be the last. I just, I need you to hear that. Israel got it wrong. They came and they were in love with God. He saved them and they did the stuff and they went in and then... They got kind of preoccupied. They got kind of preoccupied. But what is this thing called church if it isn't a community that loves as they were first loved? Let's see this. Well, what does service become without love? Lifeless drudgery. I hate to say that. You might love doing good things, but sooner or later, if you don't love and you don't have the heart of the Savior in you, behind you, feeding you, man, I do this, the Lord has done this for me, and I just love, and I love, and I love, then pretty soon, the stuff that we do just becomes labor. What about this other thing that, that, they, that they had in here? What about orthodoxy? I have a joke about orthodoxy. The problem with orthodoxy is this. My orthodoxy is truth. The way we, we, orthodoxy is a word that means true belief, true worship. The problem with saying and labeling something orthodoxy is this. It's always my, ortho, my orthodoxy versus your heterodoxy, the places where we don't agree. And heterodoxy means wrong belief. See, so the problem, if I say I'm orthodox and I don't love, if I say I'm orthodox, I believe right and I don't love, what do I become? Narrow-minded, nitpicking, legalistic. Without love. What about this thing? There's this little quote in here. But this is in your favor, you you hate the evil deeds of the Nicolaitans. Now, the Nicolaitans were a unique group. In a couple of letters from here, we're going to get really deep down into it, but essentially, this is what they were saying. In Ephesus, the cult of the emperor worship was really big during the time of Domitian. And you had to go up and pinch a little bit of incense into the fire and say, Caesar is Lord. Or you were sort of sanctioned away from things and, and you could be killed, right? You're dangerous. In the ancient world, right, there's this time when Paul is in Ephesus and he's in, in this very place and there's a riot that starts out and they're yelling, great is Diana of the Ephesians, great is Diana of the Ephesians. What they're meaning is, you know, 
the way we're loyal to our God who protects our crops is a big deal. And if the crops fail, the first people we're going to blame are the people that haven't been worshiping our God properly. So in some ways, in the ancient world, worshiping a, a God that's not the local deity is treason because you're hurting everybody's prosperity. That God takes care of it. So great is Diana of the Ephesians. This is the thing in the Nicolaitans would do. You've got to worship you got to worship Caesar to get along in this world. You are the covenant people of God. You can, it's okay. You can't lose your place. Just go ahead and do this little thing. It'll free you up over there. If you pitch the stuff, you'll be free to preach the gospel. And this echo, if you really want to get into what that echoes and who was the first one to do that, just go back and look up Balaam and Balak in the Old Testament. Balaam, just, just so you know, some of you have heard the story of Balaam's ass, which speaks to him. Because he's trying to go curse the people of Israel, and the donkey won't go because there's an angel in front of him. <laughs> and he starts beating the donkey because it won't go. And the donkey turns to him and says, haven't I always been good to you? Why are you beating me? Now, if that doesn't give you pause when you're on the donkey, nothing else will. But the Nicolaitans, you know, just compromise over here. Compromise is the art of the possible. If you just do a little of everything, you'll be free to do your special thing. And so they do this. But what does it mean to do everything right to say, no, I am going to love the Lord my God and I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be severed into these multiple relationships of worshiping God and the emperor. But what is, what is loyalty without love? What is loyalty without love? Blind fanaticism. And we have enough of that in the world right now. But what we need more of is loyalty based out of love. The foundation of the church is always we, have, we love because we were loved first. Can you do this for me? Can you tell me one thing that describes you that has nothing to do with where you're from or what you've done? or where you're going. One thing. You've never done it. It doesn't have anything to do with your lineage or your future. What's the one thing? Are you ready? You're loved by God. It doesn't have anything that you can't earn that. It's just there. Now you cannot accept it can't earn it. You can't earn it with good deeds. I have this one thing against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Wow. You've done everything right except for one thing. You forgot why you're here. 
if you forget that, what's left? Let's go down here just a little further. Anyone who has ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Now there's this little spot here about ears to hear. If you've ever read the Gospels, you start to get used to Jesus saying, let him who has ears to hear, hear. And he's making a direct reference to the true image of God. The story of the Old Testament goes like this, that if you worship idols, you will become like them. Because the general rule of Christians, or just humans, not Christians, I'm sorry, is you become like the God you worship. So let's ask this question. If you worship professional baseball players, what are you likely to become in time? You'll know everything about them, but you'll be, you'll, you just focus on them and everything else goes away. And I know people that can quote stats from 1939. And they were born in 75. It's amazing. Not important, but amazing. But here's the image. So Jesus is in Mark 12 is telling a story about these tenants in the land. And they, and they lived behind a walled vineyard. The, the, an owner of the land came and he built a wall and he put some tenants in there. And they started cheating him and not paying his rent. And they didn't do what they agreed to do and like this. But the twist on the story is this, that Israel thought of themselves as the children inside a vineyard that God had walled off. Not renters. Children. And at the end of the story, Jesus says, after I've sent all my messengers to you and you've killed them, I will send my son. Surely they'll respect my son in their walled vineyard, in their protected place where I have put them. But their renters, they won't do what they agreed to do. And the very next thing after that is, he says this, I will take away your spot in the vineyard and give it to somebody that will do it. Right after that, the Pharisees come to him and say, is it right to give money to Caesar? It's right on topic with Ephesus. Is it right to worship Caesar if Caesar tells you you have to worship him? Well, whose image is on the coin that you pay the tax with? Caesar's. And Jesus says, give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. And then he follows this up. And give to God all the things that are God's. Will all of you bear the image of God? in your life. Every person in this room bears God's image. How are you going to give what belongs to him to him? The stuff in your pocket doesn't look like God. You belong to God. And the way you do that at the cross is to say, Lord, I need you. And then he pours his forgiveness and love out on you because he's already loved you. Let him who has ears hear what the Spirit says. Do you have ears that hear? They're not made of stone like false idols. They haven't become like stone, and so they'd stop hearing. 
You don't cover them up and go, la, 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 la. And I can't hear you. No, you have ears. Do they hear? Jesus says, use them. But here's the thing. If your ears hear and they function, then you probably have a heart. Is it made of stone or flesh? Because if Jesus is in you, he has taken your heart of stone, Ezekiel 36, and given you a heart of flesh so that you might love. If you have a heart of flesh, love with it. Those who hear, let them hear. Those who have been restored, let them love. To them, I will give life. And it will bubble over and just be poured out over you. To everyone who is victorious, I will give the fruit from the tree of life in the paradise of God. And he takes the wrench, and suddenly that rust just breaks off, and that nut just comes loose and moves to the correct spot. Don't give up the work. Just do it for the reasons that got you here. Because you've been loved. Lord Jesus, thank you for breaking loose our stuck hearts. Help us do all the things right, but for the right reasons that we would be yours and you would be ours. And that's what makes us the church. In your precious name, amen.